What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. She's a hip-hop visionary whose innovative style sparked a revolution. Missy Elliott's road to superstardom seemed inconceivable. And as a young MC, she faced the harsh realities of an image-conscious industry. Defiant, Missy climbed to the top on her own terms. Missy's creative genius brought her fame and fortune. But when she lost a close friend, none of that mattered. Distraught, Missy then came face-to-face with her own mortality. Tenacious and unyielding, Missy refused to give up. And now the woman they call misdemeanor tells it like it is. This is Missy Elliott, the story behind the music. It's January 2011. Missy Elliott is back in the studio with longtime collaborator and close friend Timbaland mixing Take Your Clothes Off, a track from her highly anticipated new album. Go to the second verse. Let me see something. Sound is so banging. The second verse in the dummy. Put it, make it the third verse. Let's see if she like it. People always be like, where you been? I ain't seen you in a minute. I've been working on my album and making sure it's hot. That's jamming. You know it was a tamarine. Hey, I know the world waiting. I know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken five long years for Missy to gather the right material but the self-proclaimed perfectionist is finally ready to share her new sound with the world. I think of myself as a visionary. I feel like I've always been ahead of my time. I have a way of imagining things and bringing it to life. If I saw that vision, I said, I'm going to make it happen. That vision began in the rural town of Portsmouth, Virginia in 1971 where Melissa Arnett Elliott was born on July 1st. An only child, she grew up amidst poverty and despair. Growing up, we didn't have much. I remember having mice in the house and my father taking some newspaper and beating me because mice was running on me while I was asleep. When Missy was small, we had butter bread in the morning and the butter bread for dinner. We didn't have running water. We were going in a pot that sat by her bed because we didn't have a bathroom. Unfortunately, poverty was only one of her childhood problems. When Missy was just eight years old, her 16-year-old cousin began sexually abusing her. Each day, he wanted me to come to the house after school. It became sexual, which for me at eight years old, I had no clue of what that was, but I knew something was wrong. 
Being molested, and, and especially at a, 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 such a young age, it don't disappear. It's, you remember it like it was yesterday. While Missy was repeatedly molested for over a year, she didn't tell a soul, not even her mother, who was already dealing with a different brutality. My father, he was abusive to my mother. Me and my mother were very, very close. And so watching my father be abusive to my mother was like beating me. When you're battered, you always start thinking, was it me? Is it something that I'm doing? Is it something that I'm saying to trigger the fight? I was scared because I never knew when I would come home with my mother be dead. It was just a fear. With no siblings to lean on, Missy created her own escape from the chaos. Everything that I went through as a kid, it was like music was my outlet. I would just make up songs. She would get the microphone and she would sing and dance. It was just a part of her. I always had this wild imagination. I said, one day I'm going to be famous and I'm going to rescue my mother. You know, I'm going to get my mother out of this situation. But when Missy was 14, her greatest fear nearly became a reality. One night... Um, Missy saw that the fight was just beyond measures. My husband said, this is it. I'm going to kill you. It's over. He pulled the gun out in front of me. I was screaming, Daddy, please don't kill my mother. Please don't kill my mother. Terrified and desperate, Missy ran to her uncle's house for help. I was so tired of being beaten over and over. I just said, fine, just do it. And by that time, my brother came in and they were wrestling with the gun. And my brother got the gun away from him. I never forget it, like it was the most scariest time in my life. Patricia had finally reached her limit and abruptly left her husband in 1985. She and Missy started a new life on the other side of town. It was like, I'm free. I'm finally making a choice that I never thought I could do. I said it's going to change us for the rest of our lives. Free of the pain and drama, Missy began to thrive at Manor High School. She became so popular, she was even voted class clown. I was very outgoing. I used to Talk, 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 talk. They thought I needed some medicine. The principal would always see me in the hallway and I'd be beating on the lockers, rapping and everybody be around. They'd be like, Melissa, go to class. Then I'd be like, meet me back at lunch. I got another rap for you. Missy began to take music more seriously. And at the age of 18, she formed a hip hop inspired R&B group called Phase E. Missy's role in the group was she was a rapper. You know, she sang, she wrote. She was the core, she was the center. Faye quickly became a local sensation, even landing on local radio with a track Missy wrote called First Move. But the momentum really kicked in when Missy was introduced to a kid from the next town over, an aspiring DJ and producer named Tim Mosley. When I first met Missy, it was so incredible. We brought some out of each other. We would feed off each other. I might be like, ooh, I like that sound right there. And then he might be like, I like that flow, but you should change it right here. 
me and her was just like, wow, it was it was definitely God's gift to put us together. Together we would, you know, we was unstoppable. With Timbaland's beats, Missy took her skills to the next level, earning a nickname from another local rapper and friend, Melvin Magoo Barcliffe. When I said it was your name should be misdemeanor because her ability to write, rap, and produce was like almost like a crime. Just that simple. That's the dopest female in the game. I said, well, I'm sold. Misdemeanor it is. By the spring of 1992, Missy had graduated high school and was determined to make a career in music. When her favorite group, Jodeci, was in town for a concert, she hatched a plan. Devante Swing, the group's leader, also owned a record company, and Missy was hell-bent to get a record deal. She came up with this grand idea that we should kind of dress up as a female Jodeci. We'll go in and, you know, they won't have any choice but to, you know, to sign us. After talking her way backstage, Faze suddenly found themselves face-to-face with Devante and their moment of truth. We was like, this is our only shot. And so we performed like it was Apollo night. Faze is like, I'm gonna fly y'all up next Thursday and sign y'all. We couldn't believe it, it was amazing. We were gonna be the girl Jodeci. Those were Devante's exact words. In 1992, 20-year-old Missy Elliott's musical dreams were becoming reality. Her group, Faye had just landed a deal with Swing Mob Records, a label owned by Jodeci's Devante Swing. It was the biggest thing ever because we felt like we were superstars locally, but now we're closer to becoming famous. Under Devante's watchful eye, Missy was being groomed for stardom. First, he changed the group's name to System and moved them to Rochester, New York. There, they would rehearse and record with Devante's other artists, including Genuine and Tweet, and Missy's old friends, Timbaland and Magoo. Devante's vision was to create a music compound where everyone on his label could collaborate in a project he called The Basement. We ate, drank, and breathed music. Missy might spit around, Genuine might come along, and they might join in. We all harmonized, and that was a typical day in the basement crew. And everybody was always working, and everybody was always creating something. It was like a magical time to, to work. Devonta was a genius. He could hear harmonies. He could tell you what to sing and what sound right and what didn't sound right. He was a young Barry Gordy. Devonta used to compete against Missy, who could write the song fastest. And that's what I think kind of honed her skills. For Missy, the hard work was paying off. Sister's first single, a track Missy wrote called Brand New, was on the radio. Then she scored a chance to work with young Raven Simone, writing and producing a song for her. That's what little girls are made of. I was starstruck. I mean, this is little Raven Simone from the Cosby Show, and the record came out hot. It was hot. Thanks to Missy's guest rap, the song was a surprise hit in 1993, but the success was bittersweet. They didn't put her in the video. They put a light-skinned, skinny girl in the video. It was her voice, but everybody else saw another face. Nobody even told me they shot the video. I heard later it was like, you didn't quite fit the image that we were looking for. I was like, oh, they trying to say I'm fat. <laughs> That's immediately, I'm like, oh, they hating on the big girls. I said every curse word. I was distraught. Missy had been blindsided by the music industry's cynical standards of beauty. 
but she took comfort in some sound advice from a new friend, queen of hip-hop soul, Mary J. Blige. When we first met Mary J. Blige, she pulled me to the side and she said, don't worry about your size or anything. You're going to be a star. Hold your head up. That always stuck with me. I was like, you are extremely talented, and everything that's trying to pull you back, you're going to surpass it. When I saw Missy Elliott, I saw nothing but a star. But Missy's next opportunity wouldn't come so easy, as the basement's creative atmosphere was becoming increasingly claustrophobic. Devontae was very controlling, wanted to know everyone's move, who you were talking to, why you were talking to them, what was the conversation about. It was almost like we felt mentally abused. In the fall of 95, the friction within the basement grew progressively worse, until finally things boiled over. After a dispute with his artist over a contract issue, Devante called an urgent meeting, and the scene reportedly turned physical. When he came in the room, he was throwing chairs. Me and Missy almost got hit in our head with a chair because it was thrown over our head. His bodyguards went down the row and, like, really smacked all the guys and, like, kind of dared them to hit them back. There wasn't nothing that we did to deserve that. None of us. A dog didn't deserve what went on in that room that day. For Missy, the scene was all too familiar. I went through watching my father do this with my mother. I remember telling Timberland that uh, I'm going to leave and I'm never coming back. The next day, Missy walked away from the basement, leaving behind her group, her deal with Devante, and three years of blood, sweat, and beats. Missy came home. Her dreams are shattered. It was such a trying time in my life. It's like starting all over again. It's back to square one. After a few months of soul-searching, Missy pulled it together and moved to New York City with a new focus. I said, you know, I want to just be a writer and I want to produce. I don't want to be an artist. Maybe I don't have the look and I don't have to worry about being judged. It didn't take long for Missy to land her next big opportunity. Atlantic Records hired Missy and Timbaland to write and produce an album for budding R&B sensation Aaliyah. And from the moment they met, a lasting friendship was born. You're thinking diva, and she's gonna come in like, why is the heat down and give me my tea? But here's this young girl, she's smiling, and she give us hugs. It made us feel so comfortable. Really just took a life of its own, the three of them creating. Me, her, and Tim were inseparable. While Missy was easing into a career working behind the scenes, Everything would change after a chance encounter with Sean Puffy Combs. Puffy met me through Devante. He remembered that I rap. So when he seen me in the studio, he came in and he like, yo, money, don't you, don't you still rap? And I'm like, you know, halfway scared to say, yeah. He say, yo, come over here. I, I want you to um, listen to this track. I want you to get on this track. So he played the Jana Thompson record. I was like, oh my goodness, this is my chance. So. You know, he left me alone. I wrote the rap, and I was so nervous. But I got in there and rapped like it was my last time ever being able to rap. I don't know where the hell he, he how it came from, but it, it worked. Soon as I said, he was like, oh, like, puppy, he liked that line. The Things You Do hit the air in July of 96. The song was an instant hit, and thanks to her signature rap, 
Missy was back in the game. And the DJs were freaking out. They were going, did you hear that? He, 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 how? He, 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 how? They were like, who is that? One month later, Aaliyah's album, One in a Million, was released to rave reviews. The sound of the beats, the sound of the production, the writing, everything had its own unique flavor and was a dramatic contrast to what was on the radio at the time. Lightning had struck twice, and overnight, Missy was hip-hop's new it girl. Everybody wanted to be attached to the hottest new artist, and I was ready to be in business with her no matter what it took. Sylvia Rhodes, CEO of Electrorec, signed Missy to an unprecedented deal that included having her own label, where she could work with other artists. But there was one condition. First, Missy had to make an album of her own. Sylvia, she really saw something in me. And she like, just be you. And let's make a hot record. Missy jumped right into the studio with Timbaland. Just two weeks later, they had created the tracks that would change the face of hip-hop. Coming up, Missy turns the hip-hop world on its ear when Behind the Music continues. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In the summer of 1997, after signing a lucrative deal with Elektra Records, Missy Elliott turned the hip-hop world on its head when she dropped her debut album, Super Duper Fly. I thought I had something that was unique. I wanted to break down all barriers, and I wanted to be a risk-taker. Missy came and did something that made us like, hmm, I thought Super Duper Fly was super-duper innovative <laughs> and, and amazing. Timberland's drum sounds, his patterns, Missy's style of rapping, the way she kind of incorporated all these different sounds, everything about it was different. Super Duper Fly shot to number three on the Billboard charts, the highest debut for any female rapper in history. 
But it was the Hype Williams-directed music video for Missy's first single, The Rain, that truly changed the game. Part cartoon, it was hip hop, it was science fiction, it was the Jetsons, it was just beyond. In an era where female rappers were expected to emulate the raunchy look of Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown, Missy, who had never forgotten being left out of Raven Simone's video, created The Rain, a defiant response to an industry where image is everything. She was saying, Me, I'm super fly, super duper fly. She really felt so fly. We came up with this idea of being in a big plastic garbage bag, basically. I said, I'm gonna show them. I'm gonna make a record and it's gonna be big. And I'm gonna be big too, and I mean literally. I'm gonna I'm stay my size and have a big record. And that's that. Overnight, Missy had changed the game for women in hip hop by making it big while staying true to herself. I'm up there with Foxy Brown, Lil' Kim, and Lauryn Hill. I'm like, okay, I could get used to this. This is cool. You thought just the cute skinny girls was on the cover. So it's like, okay, big girls rock. She could be 300 pounds right now. We wouldn't care because we didn't love Missy for her weight. We loved Missy because she was doing something different and innovative. On the heels of Super Duper Fly, Missy had also become one of the most sought after producers in hip hop. And in one month got three remarkable offers. I remember I got a call from Mariah Carey. She like, I want to work with you. I'm going to fly to Virginia. I'm like, now why are these people playing on my phone? Then I got a call from Whitney Houston. When she called, of course, I didn't believe it. And I made her sing and she started singing. I was like, oh no, that's Whitney. <laughs> I was, I wanted to scream. Then here go Janet Jackson. And if I can recall, I think I hung up on her because I didn't believe it was Janet Jackson. It's crazy. All in one month, yeah, I was in heaven. Just 26 years old, Missy was on top of the world and was also a millionaire. As a child, she dreamed of rescuing her mother. Now she made good on her promise. I said, you know, I'm going to get my mother a big old house. She went through so much. She's so deserving of it. I was like, wow, we're Oprah. I was like, this is big money. Oh my God, we're jumping around. We were like the Jeffersons. Being able to do for your mother is everything. In 1999, Missy released her sophomore effort, The Real World. The video for She's a Bitch pushed the envelope once again, cementing Missy's cutting edge credibility. The video, I really think this is gonna top the rain because we just going, you know, I'm bald right now, so it's obvious I'm going a little bit extra than than the rain, and I got a couple more other scenes that's a little bit daring. Once the video was shot, I was like, five years from now, people will look at this and be like, they was ahead of their time in so many ways. The Real World would go on to sell over one million records, and after two Smash albums, Missy appeared to have it all. But privately, she was still haunted by the demons of her past. The sexual abuse she suffered as a child was a painful secret she could no longer keep to herself. I felt like I had to be a teacher. I wanted people to, to know that I went through challenges in my life and uh, I went through issues that probably other people might have thought that that would hinder them from becoming anything. You can overcome 
so many obstacles, and I felt like I had the voice, so I needed to say it. Missy also went public about the domestic abuse she watched her mother endure all those years ago. She became a spokesperson for Break the Cycle, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping battered women. When Missy went open about the abuse, I was like, this is our secret. You don't tell the world what happened. And it was like, Mom, we have to. We have to let people know that we made it. She said, that's how you deal with it, Mom. You you get it out in the open. I have to get these scars off of me. You need to get these scars off of you. Having those conversations was very therapeutic. It was a major release. I can breathe now, and I feel good about it. After two huge albums, Missy Elliott was on fire. A prolific writer, producer, and solo artist whose distinctive style had changed the face of hip-hop. But she was just getting started. In 2001, Missy produced a star-studded remake of Lady Marmalade for the movie Moulin Rouge, featuring Pink, Lil' Kim, Maya, and Christina Aguilera. Working on Lady Marmalade was so hot. To be able to produce four major artists, I was on a high. I thought it was really fun. A chance to work with Missy. I was just like, how could I not do this? They looked at it like, well, she got a track record. We've heard the work that she's done before. We trust her with this whole thing, and we did it. And it, it was amazing, amazing. Thanks to flawless execution and a saucy music video, Lady Marmalade was a tremendous hit, earning Missy her first Grammy. I call my mother, she's crying. I'm like, oh God, so I'm happy. Missy was about to score another Grammy, her first as a solo artist with her third album, Missy So Addictive. With club anthems like Get Your Freak On and One Minute Man, the album's raunchy sexual edge was a first for Missy, though not the first time she had defied expectations. She felt like she wanted to display the sexier side, the more sexually liberated, edgy, push-the-envelope side. The song is a very sexy record. It's a side that people don't get to see for Missy. I think that that message was for all women to say it doesn't always have to be about like love and romance. Sometimes it's about show up, do the right thing, and get the hell out of here. And that was just a really powerful moment. Missy's fans responded as the album went platinum and became her highest selling to date. But Missy's happiness was short-lived. On August 25th, 2001, word spread that her close friend and collaborator, Aaliyah, was involved in a horrible plane crash. We were in Jamaica, and somebody came over and, and, you know, broke the news to us. For the first couple of hours, we spent the time just trying to verify whether or not it was true. I know that people make up terrible rumors, so I'm thinking it's just one of those rumors. I tried to call her phone. I'm going to keep calling until I hear her voice. And when I didn't hear her voice, I realized that this is it's real. Missy was devastated. It was literally, you know, losing a family member for her. I, I would never think that I would have to be here. Though. I'm sorry. I just, I just never thought I would, I would ever have to be here. I just felt like if I ever, you know, would have to talk about her in this way, she would be here to hear it. And, and, and 
just to sit here and to know that she got here. I'm sorry. Coming up, Missy's terrifying brush with her own mortality. When Behind the Music continues. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And love was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. In 2002, after one of the most emotionally intensive years of her life, Missy Elliott went back to work, penning an R&B ballad called Can You Hear Me, an homage to her fallen friend, Aaliyah. Missy included the track on her album, which she aptly titled Under Construction. Life is short. Your friends, family, when they gone, that's it. You, you don't get them back. So I said, let me make a a transition and fix things about me. That's what made me think I'm a work in progress. I'm under construction. While grief inspired the album's title, the tracks were pure Missy. She delivered another groundbreaking video for the hit single Working, reinforcing her bold and imaginative reputation. I wait for Missy videos. They're like Michael Jackson videos. You always know that there's going to be something that we had never seen, something innovative that was going to make you want to watch it again and again. After selling over two million records, Under Construction became Missy's highest selling album to date, followed up by This Is Not A Test and 2005's The Cookbook. Missy was hotter than ever. Living under the spotlight, Missy had also noticeably slimmed down. And for a woman who rewrote the book on body image, her sleek new look was met with mixed reviews. A lot of her fans saw her weight loss as her selling out because she always advocated for loving yourself for who you were and not changing who you were for anyone else. But Missy wasn't selling out at all. Privately, she had been dealing with a life-threatening problem. The doctors literally told her at that point that she was in danger of stroking out, that she was at stroke level with the you know how high her blood pressure was. This is a doctor telling me for my health, 
if you want to stay around for a long time, <clears throat> then you need to you need to drop pounds. And I realized how serious it was, so I went on a serious diet, a serious diet. Resolved to make a change, Missy hit the gym four times a day and shed over 60 pounds. I lost weight, you know, not because I felt like this is the model uh, look or this is supposed to, this is what an artist supposed to look like. You know, I was comfortable with, with my size. It's just when, when your health come into play, that's a whole nother story. In the spring of 2005, her health took another scary turn. She had been feeling tired and her weight would go up and down drastically. I was eating, but I was just losing weight and losing weight. I had been feeling sick. Um, and you know, the, the mood swings is up and down, up and down. It was really, really rough for her because she didn't know what was wrong. That was all kind of a very scary time for her. Over the next two years, Missy's health steadily deteriorated and her constant fatigue and fluctuating weight soon gave way to bouts of depression. Then in the fall of 2008, her physical decline reached its breaking point. One day I was riding in the car and I realized that my foot couldn't hold a breakdown and my leg started shaking real bad. Her hands was just trembling. Then I started having dizzy spells, bad dizzy spells. And I realized I had a knot in my throat and it was huge. I knew something was wrong. I was very scared. In 2008, Missy Elliott was diagnosed with Graves' disease, a hyperthyroid condition that compromised her nervous system and threatened her livelihood. The doctor said, you have to take a radioactive pill. I'm like, what is this disease? What do I have? Like, that's scary. Missy immediately started radiation treatment and chose to keep her condition private, quietly coping, away from the spotlight. My nervous system shut down. You know, your skin is dry, your hair fall out. You wake up, your eyes feel like they got rocks in them. She started having one of the more classic symptoms, which is your eyes bulge a little bit so that her eyeballs, you know, didn't sit in the socket. I don't think anybody would know what that feel like. You looking at yourself and now my eyes has changed its structure. You know, that's, that's a lot to deal with. Like so many times in her life, Missy met this challenge head on. And under a doctor's care, her health has greatly improved. Battle-tested, Missy remains resolute, refusing to let anything stand in her way. I still deal with it now, but it's controllable. You have to stay positive, and you have to keep positive people around you just keeping you upbeat. But, you know, I'm, I'm good now. It's sort of like there's another hurdle that she's come across, and it's just like she's the bionic woman. She just keeps going. Missy is as busy as ever. You gotta keep going. I just, I just want to see what happens after that. Uh, Let me just see freestyle, something, something, something in the second verse. Here we go. I want people to see me as not just the artist, but see me as a writer and a producer. I've been doing this for a long time. No, so look, you gotta make sure that you, you know, you keep your energy up the whole time. It's not about 
just being able to dance. All of this stuff is a package. It's not just a pretty face, because I hate when it's just a pretty face. It's got to be something else. A true pioneer, her influence has spread far and wide, fearlessly clearing a new path for both men and women who want to challenge the conventions of the music industry, not just on the mic, but behind it too. Missy has paved the way for us women being confident, knowing that dreams really do come true. You know, you can really believe it is possible, no matter what you've experienced, you know, that may have been hard, you can make it through. She came into the music business to do what you're supposed to do, which is change the face. Enough of that, back to the beat. I feel like I was a part of a music change and open the door for people to be creative and have fun in your videos. I pray to be amongst the, the legends when I'm done, but I ain't done yet. Missy Elliott continues to be one of the most influential women in rap. She remains one of the best-selling female rappers in the United States. Missy Elliott has shifted her focus to production, supporting the work of highly acclaimed artists like Pharrell Williams, Ariana Grande, and Lizzo. In 2015, Missy Elliott appeared with Katy Perry during the Super Bowl halftime show. This joint performance is still the most watched halftime show in history. In 2019, she became the first hip-hop artist ever to receive an honorary doctorate from the Berklee College of Music. That very same year, she was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, making her the first female rapper to receive this honor. Missy Elliott's influence as a hip-hop musician and video artist will be felt for generations. Listen and subscribe to Behind the Music on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Be sure to rate and review Behind the Music on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Want more episodes? You can watch Remastered, Best of the Vault, and new episodes of Behind the Music only on Paramount+. Plus. John Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.